Fends them dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyce, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby league. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Joining me today, making his triumphant return to the, the NRL podcast. It's his first of the NRL season at the Supercoach Spire. Spire, how are you, mate? G'day, troops. Pretty excited, just quietly. I um, Obviously, I always am. Love my sport, love my footy. Uh, cricket season's wound to a halt, and we're not too far from NRL. Trial First trial on Friday, I think, which would be good to keep an eye on. A little bit off the pace today. I've picked something up off my young fella, so I might just be... Just in a nice, chilled old mood so we can chat through some teams and see what we can come up with for, for the listeners. Beautiful, mate. And also joining me today is last year, sorry, last year's 2019 Supercoach champion, Desi Creek. Des, how are you, mate? Yeah, you know what, Timmy? I've I've had one of the best weeks of my entire life. It's been it's been on par with winning Supercoach, actually. Um, yeah, I've been, I've, as I said to you boys, I've been making a bit of money trading cryptocurrency lately. So I've uh, I've I've splurged out a bit and bought myself a new surfboard, a new set of golf clubs. So yeah, I'm pretty stoked on life at the moment. Um, yeah, pretty much just following Elon Musk on Twitter. That man's a goddamn genius. <laughs> I reckon I reckon he'd win Supercoach if he decided to play it. Yeah, he'd be hard to beat. <laughs> Good to hear, mate. I thought you'd be about to say you kissed a girl for the first time, but mate, making money and buying some new Callaways <laughs> is just as good. <laughs> Mate, we've. Uh, I'm also looking forward to Desi's got a column coming up for us in the next week or so. He's a uh, he's a tactics man, Desi, as we know. As he just said, making a bit of money on the old crypto. I won't get into that because I know nothing about it. But Desi's going to bring a, an article out about his tactics to start the year, and he's going plain Jane, a vanilla team. Uh, he's the king of pods and going anti pods and all that sort of thing. So we look forward to that. Uh, the Spire's also got a cracker today for us, which I'll get to very shortly. Uh, but before that, on today's show. We're going to be looking at the fixture analysis for each club to start the season. The Spy's done an absolute belter of an article that came out this afternoon. Uh, so jump on the website and have a look at that. But he's going to run through that briefly for us, look at the teams uh, that we want to be targeting and avoiding. Then we're going to continue our season previews with the Roosters, Eels and Cowboys all in depth. Uh, and then we'll be taking a few questions that we got on social media during the week. We will start off with the Spy and his fixture analysis. So... Spy, you can give us a rundown of how you've gone about um, weighing in on the strengths of it, but as opposed to going what teams came on the NRL ladder last year, you've managed to rank the teams on how many Supercoach points they conceded, and then you've turned that into, you've compared that to the home and away fixtures to start the year of each club, and obviously who they're, who they're playing in that context. So, mate, fire away. What have you got for us? Yeah, mate, I had a, a big sit down over the last couple of nights. It was my real introduction into the 2021 season. Um, I always like to get an idea of who teams have in the opening sort of three to six weeks. So I've just done the first five rounds for each side just to see how we're looking. Um, courtesy of the boys over at NRLsupercoachstats.com. Uh, it's just magic, that website. Um, I've, as you said, I've just done it purely based on how many supercoach points each team conceded. So it kind of – it actually correlates pretty well with the ladder if you have a look at it. But it's purely supercoach based. And what I've done as well in the article is just make a few notes of 
on how particular game, teams go against certain positions. So um, I'll get to Valentine Holmes in a second, but that was quite relevant as to who he plays because they defend fullbacks quite well in the opening three weeks. But I'll give you guys a quick briefing. Obviously, the article's on the website, so you can go through it all and have a look through. But the best run early on, uh, based on last year's results, is Newcastle. Um, they have a pretty dream draw early. Uh, unfortunately, Kalen Ponga looks to be out at this stage early for the season unless he makes a quick recovery because she'd be tempting if he had the goal kicking and he was fit and healthy with an opening run. Um, he, he could do some damage, but it looks like he won't be there at this stage. Connor Watson is one that's been touted as a nice little cheapie uh, after an injury ravaged 2020. So... The draw could could benefit him, but obviously if he's going to be playing in the middle, it's a little bit different to outside backs. What I tend to look for in the draw is sort of those outside backs and halves and fullbacks who might benefit from attacking movements and plenty of tries. Um, the big standout for me, boys, was the Titans. They have a pretty bloody good run early on. Um, Obviously, they've got a few new guys, so they might need to develop some combinations, but their spines are reasonably well set, so that's good. Um, David Fafita, Big Tino, could be beneficiaries of reasonably easy supercoach games, but the big one for me would be Brian Kelly. Um, I don't know how much we've spoken about or how much he's been looked at, but he's a talented dude. He was very good last year, and I feel like he could be a really nice sneaky pod to start the season. Uh, so keep an eye out on that. A couple other teams that have a good draw are the Eels and St. George for relevant players there and also the Roosters. So we'll get to Teddy at some stage during this just because he always comes up because he's, he's the king. Um, but for Teddy owners and would-be owners, um, they have a really nice draw. Just quickly, I mentioned Valentine Holmes. The Cowboys, they have a pretty decent draw early, but if you have a look at it, they play Penrith and the Titans uh, in the first three weeks. Penrith, we know how good they are. They were the best, I think, against fullbacks last year, and the Titans were pretty damn good as well. So Mm -hmm. it's a tricky first three weeks for Valentine. Um, obviously based on last year's draw. So it made me balk a little bit at getting him and maybe turning into a bit of a bit of a wait and see, Big Val. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with starting with him and he's good enough to, to tear apart or semi-tear apart any side you'd think on his day. But with that draw, just a little bit tentative. And if we jump over to Penrith, they have a really interesting one. They have two-ish, two really tough games. I think it's Canberra and Melbourne in the first five weeks. But they also have three really easy ones. And the first two weeks, it's um, it's just an absolute dream. So I think you can get a hot start with Penrith, guys. Um, I can also jump on to the worst sides, but is there anything you want to want to have a chat about with those ones, lads? Or no, mate, I was going to hit you off about the worst sides and going through your article. The one that stood out to me, which uh, you'll get to for us, but was mainly being uh, the worst ranked team. I think on equal points with the Bulldogs and mate Tommy Tripboy, which is the one that that has me worried reading your article. Hundred percent. Um. So Manly's draw is tough. They actually came out with the worst schedule just based purely on last year, which which isn't easy for them. And with Turbo's injury concerns and just his general fitness, like we know how good he is. And there's nothing wrong with starting with him. He's cheaper. And I think you guys spoke about it last week. He can, he can get 100 against anyone and he's a gun. But in saying that, he's got some really tough matches, in the, especially in that first three weeks. So... Gee, I've I've balked at him a little bit as well. I probably initially was a little bit scared off by him, a bit like Walsh last week. He just keeps getting hurt when I own him, and then 
it, it can be tough. You don't sort of want that to start the year. And the other one was DCE, who could be pretty popular. We're not sure on goal kicking yet, but if he goal kicks, could be good. But yeah, toughish run for Manly, which is uh, which is really interesting. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Really, really good analysis. And do get onto the website and check out that article. It's one of the better things the Spy's done for the website in uh, in the past 12 months. So yeah, make sure you you put the time in and have a look at it because the Spy's been many, many hours into accumulating all that information. Guys, if you are interested in our subscription package, we have $30 for our NRL package for the entire season, $40 for the NRL and Big Bash package. Gives you access to hundreds of extra articles throughout the, the preseason and the actual season itself. Uh, it also gives you access to our subscribers special Q&A podcast. We put out the the feelers yeah, yesterday for the questions for our regular podcast that we're recording at the moment, which we do every week. Had heaps and heaps of questions, which is really exciting, awesome stuff. We love it. So thanks for that. Um, but hard to get to all of them. We'll do as many as we can in the time that we've got. Um, but if you drop them in our subscriber special podcast each week, uh, we'll depending on how many there is, we can just about ensure that we'll answer your question. So a bit of a, a bonus for being a subscriber uh, and a bit of a thank you from us to you. Um, if not, as I say every week, there's plenty of free content that we, go, that we go through each week, plenty of free articles. So if you're not interested in subscribing, that's no dramas at all. Uh, the other one, guys, our unlimited group has been made for this season. So get in and take on all our SC Playbook contributors. There'll be big, big prizes to be announced for this season coming pretty shortly, which I hopefully think will excite you. Um, jump into our group. It's The code is 784-746. That'll be posted across the website, so don't worry too much if you didn't catch that. Uh, do make sure that when you go into the leagues, you're joining our unlimited group. It's not a league code, so if it's not working, that'll be the reason because I guarantee people are going to stuff that up as they do every year. Uh, let's jump into our analysis of the clubs, and we'll start with the Sydney Roosters, a team who were very good during the regular season last year. They struggled and went out early in the finals uh, with that roster you think you'd be pretty confident that they'll be able to hit back this year. Um, and plenty of interesting players. I think no more so than James Tedesco at $843,000. He's priced on an average of 95.2 from last year. Uh, absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. I think if you take out his two scores before COVID last year, before the new rules were introduced, he would have averaged closer to 100 points per game. He had 39 and 85, so... Just absolutely obscene stuff. Desi, I'll throw to you firstly, mate. Will you be starting with James Tedesco? Uh, and if you are, can you make a case for not starting with Teddy? Yeah, he's he's a lock for me. Uh, I just think no, I, there's no case for not starting with him. I don't care what his price is. As I said last po- podcast, it could almost be like one and a half million and I'd still have the man. Um, he's, he's probably a set and forget captain. Um, even with the harder matchups... Uh, I mean, Spy just said Roosters do have a good draw, so you'd be a madman to start without without him. But yeah, even against some of the better defensive outfits in the comp, he can still go ballistic. He's just that sort of player, so he's just a must-have for me. Des, what about? I'm going to give you a hypothetical because we're obviously recording this now, and we'll, we'll talk more about it if it does occur later in the preseason. But Mate, what if we find ourselves with a lack of cheapies to come before round one uh, and we're looking at guys that are closer to the 300k barrier or those mid-ranges in the early to mid-300,000s that to, you know, to generate money and, and squad value, we have to recruit them. Um, and then you're looking at you know Nathan Cleary at, what, 750k, whatever he is, James Tedesco at 840k, a couple of other big names. If there's a lack of cheapies, what happens then on Teddy? Is he still a must-have or is it just you'll do whatever you can to get him in? Yeah, I, I think he's just... Uh, an absolute lock. Uh, 
yeah, even if there is a lack of cheapies, I'm still going Teddy and Cleary. Those are the two guys like at the very top of my list. Um, the, the, we, as we know, cheapies emerge out of thin air through the season, so I'm, I'm not really too concerned about lack of cheapies. Yeah. Spy, what are your thoughts, mate? Um, any case to, to antipod him to start the year? Look, me and Des like to argue at times and have a bit of fun with that, but Teddy is locked away. Nearly my first pick this year. I'll give you the tip, boys. I'm not missing out on one of his 199s again when I could have him as captain. <laughs> it derailed my whole season last year. It was about round six. So I'm not letting that happen again, and I'm with Des. I'll just find a way to get him in and, and build around him. Yeah, good stuff. Um, going through the rest of the back line, there's some – some pretty serious options, but they're all close to pretty well top dollar. So I'll mention a couple of them and then get your thoughts in if any of you are interested. So you've got Daniel Tupu at $626,000, average 70 last year, uh, scored in nine of his 13 games, which is, you know, okay for his strike rate. Um, his base last year had it here somewhere, 33 base per game, which is serious numbers for a bloke playing in that side on that ruthless, ruthless left edge. Josh Morris, 464K, probably a bit less exciting. Joey Manu, average 56 last year. He's just under 500K. Uh, and then the other big one last year, Brett Morris, who's never really been a Supercoach relevant player, average 72 Supercoach points. We'll start the year at 637K. Uh, some serious, serious stuff. His scores were, his average inflated a little bit by games at centre and fullback, where he tunned up in both of those. Um, but Desi, are any of them four on your radar to start the season? Yeah, I mean, they're all on the radar, but I think Tupo especially is just a little too expensive to start with for me. Um, but I'll be looking to pick him up if we do see a substantial price drop, which pretty much relies on him getting unlucky with try scored over the opening few rounds. But yeah, it's a no no one Tupo to start with for, for me. And I guess the same principle applies to Bmos, Manu and, and Jamos as well. They're all fantastic players. But we just don't know if they'll be able to sort of distribute the points equally between them to start the season. So I'm I'm sort of leaning towards steering clear of all the Roosters outside backs initially, even with that good draw, just to get a gauge on which side they prefer spreading to. And they, they might actually just take it easy over the first few rounds if they do have that easier draw. Yeah, good shout, mate. Uh, Spy, any, any interest in the back four at the Roosters for you? Not initially, lads. Um, certainly, Tupo is one that I'd love in my team as the season progresses. But I think at that price, there's nothing wrong with starting with maybe Tupo if you wanted a premium centre. But yeah, not for me, not to start with. Yeah, I'm the exact same, fellas. I make my thoughts pretty clear about starting the year with those premium 550, 600k centre wings. I think barring Noffa last year, who was the exception to the rule, they have to drop in price at some point when the tries dry up. Uh, and when that happens, we'll be able to jump on those blokes for hopefully a 100K minimum discount uh, if they do come. So I'll be waiting for that. The halves are pretty interesting. Luke Keary is, you know, you know, probably a bit of a – he'll be a pod to start the year. But the, what does bring him into a little bit of contention at 521K is that he's dual half 5'8". There's a few less of those this year. And the fact that behind Nathan Cleary, the halfback crops, uh, stocks, should I say, are not overly strong. So – a little bit of interest in Luke Keary, and the more important one is Lachlan Lamb, who's slightly awkwardly priced at 310k, dual 5'8 hooker, but he's the guy that you know we think looks like he'll get the starting half roll for the Roosters. Get a load of this. Last season, 
he he averaged 37 points in base, which is just phenomenal for a halfback, uh, particularly a guy starting me in a red-hot side at that price. Seriously, seriously tempting stuff. Um, Desi, either of those guys on your radar? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kiri, he's probably just a bit too expensive to start with considering how reliant he is on attacking starts with only like 19 base points per game last season. And as I said before, the Roosters may ease into the season just sort of trying to secure the two points each game rather than overexerting themselves to slap up big scores on some of the weaker teams. But yeah, he's definitely a trade-in later in the season. So I'd sort of categorize him alongside guys like Jack Whiten. If you can trade him in at the perfect time um, and he hits a golden patch, then he's the perfect pod. Yeah, and, good call. And for Lockie Lamb... I, it's really hard to sort of comment on him at this stage, other than the fact that if he does get um, 80 minutes at halfback, then he's an absolute steal. But I've just got a sneaking suspicion that Walker may take his spot at some point early in the season. So he's mm. a bit too risky to gamble on for me. Yeah, good stuff, mate. On that, just on back onto his base. So that base of, what, what did I say, 37 per game is based on him averaging 44 minutes per game. If he's playing 80 minutes per game, look, let's be realistic, he's not going to double that. But that is unbelievable. I really couldn't get over it right about it the other day. Um, Spy, I mean, based on that, uh, those two for you, I know know you've been pretty cold on Kiri on the past, and I don't expect that to change. Um, Lockie Lamb, mate, he's got to be pretty serious consideration, though. Yeah, I love um, I love Kira as a player, but as we know, not a big fan super coach. I just feel like there's a lot of luck involved in when he scores these big ones. Um, if you jab it, if you nab it, sorry, that's brilliant. But yeah, uh, on Lockie Lamb, what you've written in the uh, the team profiles is huge stuff. My question would be for you: He played two games in the seven jersey, or he played a game and a half actually, and the base was outstanding in that. Um, he came off the bench for the other five games. Do we know if he? I'm trying to think if he played hooker or half in those games. I can't actually remember. Might have been when um, Flanagan got hurt potentially because obviously where he plays would impact that base. So I might try. I'll just double-check that what happened. But, mate, with that base, I know it's an awkward price, but gee, be hard to leave out in a rooster side, wouldn't he? he um, yeah. I think you said 37 base for the year. I think I'm just checking your numbers now. It's actually 28, but that was in 44 minutes. So... You're looking so, yeah, at like good, good you're looking there, at fifty plus there. Um, so gee, let's look in a bit more into it. I might do a player profile on him based on what he did last year and where he played. Because wow, some some big numbers, boys. Yeah, in his in his one starting game last year at halfback in eighty minutes, he had thirty seven base against <coughs> the Dragons. So seriously, not bad scoring at all. Uh, fellas, a really, really interesting one to start the year. Let's put a line through Warrior Hargraves, Jake Friend. C.O. Siwa Takiaho, 562K, priced on an average of 63 last season. Um, look, f- for argument's sake, let's say that he's in line to take the kicking duties in round one because we believe he is. It's not being confirmed at this point, but we think he will be. Um Desi, I mean, suppose firstly, if he's not kicking, would you be interested at all? Uh, and secondly, how in, how big a buy is he if he's kicking? Yeah, I mean, if he's kicking, he's a must-have. It's as simple as that. Mm. Um, even without the kicking, we know he's lethal through that middle third of the field. Uh, he's got that tackle boss ability. He can produce line break assists to guys like Teddy and Kiri all the time. So, yeah, I might even be starting with him um, either way at that price. I just think he's a lock. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I um when I pick my round one team, I look at guys. If I'm paying top top dollar for guys who are you know priced pretty accurately on, on what you think they'll average, they want to be absolute genuine guns who have that ceiling of one fifty plus that you can't miss out on. Um, or they they're guys who you think are undervalued and will make coin at the very least, and then you can upgrade them to absolute premiums. The way I see Takiyaho is if he can kick sort of at seventy five percent, three out of four each game, he'll average. Around about 73.5 based on last year's numbers, which would mean he's about 80 to 100K underpriced to start this year. Bit of a bonus on top of it. 53 base per game last year, 21 tackle breaks, 21 offloads. Uh, Spy, got to be a, a pretty big uh, buyer, hey? Yeah, if he's kicking, it's very hard to leave out. The only thing that scares me about Takiyaho is if the Roosters are cruising, which they tend to do mm. at times, they can rest him. Uh, but in saying that, if you're, if you're holding him for a while, those minutes will probably even out and the scores will come. So you probably just got to take the good with the bad. But in saying that, to start the season, and especially after last year, the Roosters are going to want to lock in a top four spot. So they're probably not thinking too much about resting at this stage of the year. So bring on Takiyaho if he's kicking those goals, boys. Yeah. And I think uh, Sam Verrills will be back from injury. He's expected to be right for round one following his injury last year. But Verrills at 14, I think, can only help Takiyaho's case in terms of big minutes. If they, were to, if they were to say not pick Verrills for round one or the early stages and have Friend there and maybe Victor Radley deputised for Friend at times, that could mean another big man on the bench. So keep an eye on that. But I can't see any reason why Verrills wouldn't be at 14. A uh, massive, massive look at the two back rowers. On the back of the news that Boyd Corden is expected to miss at least the first few months of the season as he monitors his concussions in recent times. Satili Tupanua at 410k based on an average of 46 points and 59 minutes per game last year becomes an option. And then the obvious other one who's an absolute super coach gun is Angus Crichton at 670k based on an average of 75 last season. Uh, Desi, I suppose, is Tupanua on your radar, provided he gets the starting role for the Roosters and is Angus Crichton a must-have? Um, Tupanua is not so much on my radar, but Crichton definitely is. He's priced so high for a reason, and I think most teams will have him. Um, I just think he's just got way too much attacking prowess to leave out in what's becoming a more and more high-ceiling-based supercoach era. So I'll, I'll definitely be starting with him at this stage, but Tupanua, I think you can you can have a cider out first. Yeah, Spy. What are your thoughts on these two, boys? I agree with Des again. It's all happening. It's a, it's a new year. <laughs> um, Crichton was actually my first picked forward this year, um, providing he's on that edge and we expect him to play eighty. I just think he's a gun. The best I felt last year was when I had him in my side uh, alongside Teddy. Just leading that forward pack, he's he's a beast. So straight in for me. Yeah. On Tupanua, he's, he's going to generate a lot of interest for good reason if he does get named to start the year based on him going from 59 minutes to potentially 80. Uh, an interesting start I found with him. In 11 games of 74-plus minutes last year, nine of those were 80-minute games, he averaged 53 points per game, so only seven more than his season average. That included a 124-point game against the Broncos. In that, he had a double and two line breaks and a line assist. If you take that out, he averaged 46 for the year, which would have been below his season average, 34 base per game in his 59 minutes. So I wouldn't call him a trap if he's playing 80 minutes or even named for round one, but the numbers don't really stack up, and I think you're probably relying on the attacking upside for him. Uh, And as you said, uh, Angus Crichton, I wouldn't say he's a must-have purely because – 
if we're putting Nathan Cleary in our side, James Tedesco in our side, you know, Ryan Madison in our side, maybe Jason Taumalolo, there's a lot and lot of money. And it's easy to say these guys are all must-haves, but we can't afford them all. So it's a tough one. Just quickly, boys, um, on Tupanua. So I forgot to mention him. I, I wouldn't want to start with him. As you said, his base isn't high. He's sort of he's that real impact-type runner that can score a couple of tries while having eight runs. Uh, but when he doesn't score, I watched him at Leichhardt last year and I was just keeping tabs on him live. And as I said, brilliant runner, but work rate doesn't appear to be that high. So I'd be steering clear. And really good point on Crichton. Obviously, you can't have all the guns. At the moment, I've got Madison, Crichton, Teddy and Cleary, which makes it really hard to get Takiyaho. So something's got to give there. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. Crichton won't be giving for me. I'll just get him in my side. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, just touching on three others quickly who I don't expect to be named in the round one team, but could definitely figure at some point of the year. Billy Smith, Joseph Suwali and Sam Walker, all cheapy potential uh, for this season, but pretty hard cracking that back line at the Roosters. Uh, Suwali, the absolute gun prospect, the 17-year-old, who signed with the Roosters this season from the Bunnies. He turns 18 on August 1, so he's not eligible to play NRL until then. Uh, the Roosters are going to do everything they can to get the exemption for him. Uh, even so, he I mean, unless there's an injury in that back five, I, I don't really see where he starts in that side. And then there's Billy Smith as well, uh, but worth monitoring. Desi, anything more to add at the Roosters? Oh, yeah, Sam Walker, he's, he does intrigue me. I, I'm Actually, I do have him in my team at the moment at that reserve halfback spot, hoping that he does jag Lamb's spot early in the season. Um, and yeah, even if he doesn't, he's just so cheap, it doesn't really matter because you can just sort of just sit on your bench there and save you that money where you can spend elsewhere on the guns like we've been talking about. Bit of a VC loophole option as well. Well, you'd have to take out Cleary, but yeah. <laughs> no, you could bench Cleary, surely, but yeah. Um, Spy, anything to add on the Roosters? We covered most of it. Uh, again, I agree with Desi. I've got Sammy Walker sitting yes. there at the moment. Obviously, I have a good look at balance and who the other halfback options are, but I agree. It'd be probably nice to sit him there and hope he gets some game time either early or sometime along the line. Um, I haven't checked the buy. I have checked the buy schedule. I just can't remember. Um, but if the Roosters, when their buy's up, maybe Kiri's playing Origin or something potentially, then he might get a run. So you might have an extra number there as well. Moving on to the Parramatta Eels, another side with plenty of supercoach relevance this season. A lot of strike there. Uh, plenty of plenty of options to consider. Uh, Desi, I'll start with you, mate. Um, just quickly on, on Clint Gutherson. I've seen a bit of chat about him on, on social media. Mate, I have no interest in him because I don't think he's around the class of the elite supercoach fullbacks in Teddy, Turbo, Ponga and whatnot. Um, he did go through a couple of hot streaks last season there that got people interested for good reason. Can you see Gutho being relevant or no? Nah? No, nah, he's just too expensive to start with for mine. It just it comes down to whether you want Gutho over someone like Turbo who actually comes into the season cheaper than, than Gutho. So it's Turbo all day of the week over Gutho for me. Yeah. Spy, would you be the same, mate? Oh, that's that's easy. No Gutho. Um, he could. He's as you know, he's got that potential to turn up. And if you take an absolute fire on him, it's not to say you won't get a hot start. But as Desi said, you got Teddy Turbo Pappenhausen. Looks like he's kicking goals. So there's some elite options there. Um, so no, not not for me. Yeah, one of uh, the Supercoach Spies' favourites up until the end of last year when he absolutely burnt him was Mike Acevo. Off the back of a poor Supercoach year by his standards, not that he's been around that long, but 
priced at just 456k, 51 average. We know what he can do. He's got that massive, massive upside. I had a 145-point score last year. Also had six scores under 30 points, including a 7 and a 13. Desi, big Micah, can he bounce back on Dylan Brown's left edge? Is he a, a bit of a, a pod to start the season? I wouldn't call him a pod because I think a fair few people might actually start with him. I'm not sure his ownership percentage right now, um, but yeah, I, I can see why you would start him at that price. If he if he can find the try line, he's going to be an absolute asset. Any interest for you, mate? Um, no, I'm actually I'm more interested in Fergo myself. Yeah, we'll get to Fergo. Don't you worry about that, Fergie Ferg. Uh, before we do that, Spy Sevo is he? Uh, has he burnt you too hard last year, or, or you have a look at him? Uh, Micah. Oh, forgot about that for a moment. <laughs> had cricket on my mind. I've been enjoying things, and then you brought up Sevo. <laughs> <laughs> I missed his four try game by about a week. Uh, yeah. As as Desi always said, if you want him, just get him because they'll 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 go nuts before you have him. Uh, he ended up finishing the. I had to keep him because he was too too bloody cheap by then to sell, and he ended the semi okay for me, which was something. But I just no, I can't go near him unless he's absolutely dominating. Yeah, I think he's one of them guys, just wait the first two rounds before the initial price rise. If he scores a swag of tries in the first two rounds, we can get him in, get that price rise, see if he's looking like the keeper of old, um, but just probably not worth the risk early on on, on what we saw last year at different times. Uh, I think the the left centre spot is up for grabs. It could be Mick Oldfield, could be Tom Opacic, could be Hayes Dunster. Let's see how that plays out, but there's a big cheapy opportunity there, probably more so with Hayes Dunster at bottom price. Oldie at 260k, potentially there, but we'll look further into that once we work out who that's going to be because it could be anyone. Um, the big one, fellas, Fergie Ferg. I am very keen on Fergie. He's 352k, priced on an average of just 39.8 last season. Desi, you on the Fergie bandwagon? Yeah, well, as you boys know, I had him all last year waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> for him to fire, but he just never did. But, you know, it's a new year and hopefully a new Fergie. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very keen on him at that price. All he needs to do is find the bloody try line and he's super coach oh. gold. Yeah, I think he didn't find the try line until about round 17 last year and then he scored in three of the last four weeks. Uh, his averages from 2019 backwards were 54, 65, 49. So, you know, some pretty, well, some very good scoring there. The big thing for me, Spy with Fergie last year, he didn't find the try line very often, but his base of 30 per game is still absolutely elite for, for a winger in super coach. Mate, are you looking at him for round one? Yeah, it's tricky. I, I'll tell you what I'll probably do. Um, I'll probably watch him for two weeks, see how they go. If he's looking good and he's looking like you get a price rise, I'll bring him in and just sit in there for a while. But I just don't think I'll start with him. Um, the Eels love that left edge. Madison loves taking hit-ups on the right edge. Um, they Look, it wouldn't shock me if they tried to get him some more ball this year and slightly change up their tactics a little bit because you can't just keep playing the same way. Uh, but I think I'm just going to wait and see. But it's, it's not a no. It's just I'm probably going to wait and see at this stage, lads. But he's very intriguing, isn't he? Yeah. Having old glue hands wung a Blake inside him doesn't help too much. But, look, the way I see it, I'm not saying he will, but if he can get back to a 50 points per game average, which would still be well below his two years prior to last year where it just did not happen for the great fella, um, that would lead to a, a price rise of about 100K, Probably not a keeper unless he really, really did hit his straps, which wouldn't shock me. Um, but I find it as a pretty safe bet. And the best thing about Fergie for me is just that 
He's a safe scorer at centre wing to start the year. He'll make some money. Uh, and, you know, we've seen – we've stacked our centre wing with four cheapies in the past who have got single-digit scores and they just burn you. So you're locking in some cash generation there uh, and some pretty decent scoring with upside. So I'm pretty high on Fergie and at this stage I'll be starting the year with him. Desi, the halves are interesting ones. Probably more so Dylan Brown than Mitch Moses, although Mitch Moses is a little bit interesting, relatively consistent these days in his supercoach scoring. Uh, do Brown or Moses interest you to start the year? Yeah, I mean, there is a bit of interest. I did have uh, Dylan Brown all last year, and I think he's, what is he, five sixty k something like that. Yeah. But I think he might be just coming in a tad overpriced at that price. So, But yeah, he's definitely a huge pod if you think the Eels can sort of start with a bang. Um, and I'd, I'd probably put Mitch Moses in the exact same category. It all just depends on whether the Eels click from the get-go as to whether they are pod-worthy halves. He's a pretty serious pod, Dylan Brown, because I think people will be going with, at this stage, a combination of either Cam Munster or Cody Walker along with Matty Moylan or Connor Watson. Uh, 37 base per game last year for Dylan Brown. That's unheard of for a playmaker in NRL Supercoach. Didn't have a his lowest score last year was thirty five had highs of one twenty three and one eleven. Uh, Spy Dylan Brown is a pod for round one. Would you consider it? Yeah, I think he's he's definitely an option. They play Brisbane at Suncourt round one as well, so there's plenty of points on offer up there. Um, but then they do run into the Storm the next week. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing to say. Don't go get him. He's in theory he's only going to get better. He's a young kid. Um, he certainly could be worth a look, boys. Uh, Mitch Moses, on the other hand, whilst I think he probably represents pretty good value given what he's priced at, mm. I just wouldn't want to own him until he starts taking the line on more. He just loves to pass. He gets very sideways, uh, which is the total opposite to Brown, who just loves to straighten up and go. Um, so Brown, I think I'd be more keen on than Mitch. Um, Mitch, again, is the kind of guy, if he happens to blow it away in the first few weeks, um, you can jump on him and take that price rise, but I just want to see him running the ball consistently and and taking tackles, busting tackles, that sort of stuff uh, before I'd want to own him. But yeah, Brown's really interesting. You'll certainly, I'll have to have a good look at him. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to, to Walsh about him because Walsh absolutely loves Dylan Brown. He was so high on him last year, even before we knew really what he could do, has been for a long time. So we'll get Walsh's thoughts next time he's on the podcast. Uh, for me, I just can't see him displacing Cody or Munster for that round one. But look, he's ticking a lot of boxes. So, I mean, very, very intriguing prospect. Uh, another one who's pretty close to his premium price, but Junior Paulo, 570K, priced on a, a pretty or well, very big year for him last year of 64.3 average. Uh, he averaged 54 minutes per game, output of 1.19 points per minute. So, really, really good scoring. Uh, did play seven games of 59-plus minutes. We know he has a big motor for a big man. Also had six games under 50 minutes. They were due to those. I think he might have had back spasms or something at the time. Um, he was the top offloader in the competition by a mile. He was eight ahead of second place, and then he was 18 offloads ahead of third place, which is outrageous. Uh, Desi, I know you have to pay a bit, but Junior Paulo on your radar. Yeah, yeah, very tempting, very tempting. Um I'd say he's basically the third best front row forward in the competition behind Haas and Clemmer in terms of consistency. But yeah, as you said, he struggles with those back issues from time to time, which causes sort of random reductions in minutes in some games. So yeah, he's probably worth getting a cider on him over the first few weeks and have a look at his offload count before you bring him in. What are you thinking, Spite? 
absolutely no way I'd start with him at that price, but yeah, he's worth a watch. Uh, offloading's key. He sort of he fell away a bit to end the year last year. Uh, his minutes were really good the first half of the year, and then they fell away a fair bit. He did finish with a ton against the Tigers, but it's just a no from me. Keep an eye on him, see how he's playing, but nope. Yeah, I think they eased because he did have those uh, the back issues and a few injuries throughout the year. Um, albeit minor injuries, that there was nothing too serious there. I think they just really monitored his minutes in the back end of the year and then towards the end of the regular season, leading into finals, they got a few bigger games under his belt. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind Paulo, but I, I'm pretty big on finding mid-range cash cows in the front row position, three to 400K, who can hopefully make you that one-to-one 50K with, based on playing bigger minutes, uh, and then you can turn them into some some genuine guns like Paulo in that around about that round five to ten period there. Uh, guys, the next one on the list is Ryan Madison, who's obviously going to be another very serious buy. You mentioned before spy, but he's, he's kind of in that Angus Crichton category. Has enormous base, 56 base per game, averaged 76 minutes per game last year. He is an 80-minute player, all going well and healthy and, and without those concussion issues. Had six scores over 90, including a top of 115, which was against the Storm. Desi, is Madison a must-have? Must have? And, I mean, we've spoken about all these big-name players, big prices. Must-have or not? Uh, I mean, probably, probably. I'd say yes. I mean, I just don't see him producing anything different from last season. And he was a must-have last season, so you have to lean towards him being a must-have this season as well, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I think so. But, again, we're, we've only got a certain salary cap. We can't get everyone. Mate, would you have him ahead of Angus Crichton? Uh, probably not. I think Crichton's ceiling's just a bit higher than Maddo's. Yep, fair play. Uh, Spy, what are your thoughts, mate? I think you just had Crichton above Madison before as well, or was it Madison above Crichton? Yeah, I've got Crichton above Maddo, not by heaps. Maddo's an absolute weapon. Um, Crichton's probably ceiling might be a little bit bigger at times just because he has a lot of offloads and tries, but then <laughs> so does Maddo at times. They're both weapons. Uh, literally the only knock on Madison is the potential that he could cop a head knock. And we know with his history, if he does cop a head knock, A, you might get a bit of a dud game in terms of uh, points scored. But, I mean, I wouldn't worry about that too much because injuries can happen as well to anyone. My slight, slight concern on Madison is if he does cop that knock, do they sit him out for two or three weeks, which is highly likely in this day and age. They obviously want to look after him. But, I mean, trades are also also there for that. I think out of the big four, Crichton, Madison, Cleary and Teddy, Madison would be the one to go if I absolutely had to. But I'll be doing everything I can to fit them all in and just build my whole side around those four boys. Yep, fair play to you, mate. Uh, let's break up our team previews just briefly and we'll throw a question in, in, in there. Is there anyone in Supercoach this season that you've been burnt by them in the past, not necessarily burnt by them in the past by injury, but the injury history uh, has corrupted you so much that you can't see yourself going near them again this season? Desi, I'll start with you. I mean, the strikingly obviously obvious one is Turbo, but I'm still going to start with him. But I think Arrow. Arrow is the one just mm. a little too risky to start with. Um also, Ryan James is another one for me. Um, just wary of him coming back from such a long stint on the sidelines. So um, we know how bad those ACL injuries are. They're extremely risky to sort of roll the dice on him coming back from that extended period on the sideline. 
Yeah, that's it. We, we spoke about Jai Arrow in a fair bit of depth last week, but I'm with you. Even if he did get a starting role for round one, oh, the, the injuries just keep coming from him. You'd want to see him string a good sort of eight to ten games in a row to get injury-free in 65-plus minutes before considering him. I think you'd be a game man to get on him, even at the price. A spy, who'd you come up with? Yeah, no breaking news here, boys. It's Turbo. He um, He's just scary. Um, especially even coming into last year, I was a bit scared of him. Um, he's just a young body, doesn't seem to have quite developed right yet in terms of shaking off that those consistent injuries he's getting. I really, really hope he comes good because he's one of my favourite players and I live just up the hill from Brookie Oval now as well, so I can't wait to go and watch him hopefully tear apart. But in the opening rounds, I'm so torn at the moment between his starting price and upside potential versus a tough draw and injury history. So at this stage, I'm not putting him in, to be honest. Um, And I really, really hope that I'm wrong and that he can string a bunch of games together. And I'd be very happy, man, to jump on quickly if he's looking good. But he he terrifies me, boys. Yeah, it's a big one, Spy, because we know how popular Tommy Turbo will be to start the year. Um, and again, on, on top of that, you mentioned the fixture analysis earlier that he's hit the man, they have a tough draw to start the season. So I've got him in my side at the moment, but you've got me second guessing that a little bit. But look, we'll see. There's plenty of time to play out before we do get to round one and have to lock in those sides. For me, uh, he's not a super coach superstar. He's not going to be relevant for round one. If we're talking about blokes, I'd never go near again. Uh, just Braden Burns, and you probably laugh at the fact that I've brought him up. He seems irrelevant, but I think Braden Burns is a really good super coach player, playing in a red hot bunnies outfit when he's in that side. If there is an injury or two and he pops up, um, but seriously, that bloke, he's hammies. He has no luck, the poor bugger. So Braden Burns is a no no for me. If he was to get down to 250, 300 grand, I just, you know, poor bugger, cannot take a trick. Let's move on to our analysis of the North Queensland Cowboys. They don't appear to be an overly relevant Supercoach team this year, but there are a few very key players that we'll chat about because there'll be a lot of questions around these guys. The first one is Val Holmes at 509k. Desi, Val, round one. He's available at centre wing, which is big news for him, along with fullback, of course. Uh, Will he be in your round one team? I don't have him at the moment, but yeah, definitely at centre wing. He's definitely a prospect. Um he may turn into a must-have very quickly to start with. I just think he's a little too expensive, though, to fit inside the salary cap that we keep talking about. But if he starts firing, I'll trade him in straight away, week one or week two, week two or three, sorry, um, like I should have done with Nofo last year. But, yeah, it'll all depend on how much attacking threat the Cowboys are this year and how, how well he links with guys like Michael Morgan in particular. Yeah, uh, I don't want to eat my words come round one, but he's he's one of the first guys I've got picked in my side, to be honest. I think he averaged in nine games at fullback last year of 80 minutes, he averaged 67 points per game. He, he played two on the wing and there was one injury-affected game where he went off after 28 minutes, so I think they're irrelevant to his super coach credentials. He eased back from that that brief NFL stint last season, which you know, it was, it was going to be hard to – I mean, not super hard to transition back. He was only out of the game for a year – but he's a guy who I think he's still developing his fullback game so, so much after spending his whole career on the wing. Uh, I think he's going from strength to strength as a fullback. At that price, I think he's a great go because he's available at centre wing. You can lock in that strong scoring with his big ceiling. Uh, I know it seems a while ago now, but when he was at the Sharks, when he first made that move to fullback, it was mid-season, went back there and averaged 88.4 across 11 games. He's kicking goals for the Cowboys 
Uh, I will have Valheims for round one, and I'm very excited to own him, Spy. Yeah, that that surge with Cronulla he had at the back end of a couple of years ago was unbelievable. He just did things for fun. Um, I don't know at the moment is my genuine answer. I'm going to try and fit two decent sort of high to mid-range centres in my side. At the moment, it's Toh and Brian Kelly, just because he's got a dream draw and I, I love him. Uh, but that could very easy flop, swap one of those guys to Valentine. What scares me a little bit is, this is very minor, but they play Penrith round one at Penrith. That is a tough game. And with Kelly having, I can't remember who they've got, but an easier easier game, I just want to try and get off to a fly this year in round ones and two. Uh, I'm going to try and find a way, if I don't start with him, to really have a plan to get him in about round four or five uh, as soon as a couple of guys have made some cash or if I have to drop one of my other guns. Obviously, we'll see what happens, but, mate, I really don't know. You talk him up and they're all excellent points. Then I've got other guys I want. This is going to be one of the tougher ones, tougher decisions leading into round one for me. So give me a few weeks and I'll, I'll see where we land. But, yeah, it's a tough call, I'll tell you. Yeah. I hope people stay off him because I'm real high on him. Uh, another interesting guy, funny, we, we just talk about guys that you've been burnt with injury in the past and have had a tough couple of season seasons with their body is Michael Morgan at 386K. He's a dual halfback 5'8". Because he only played six games last season uh, and obviously limited minutes at times as well, he's priced on an average of 43 points per game. He didn't average that. He averaged on, I think it was about 49, but he got the reduction because of the amount of games he played. So he's very cheap. Uh, in a year where there's not a lot of dual halves, 5'8", Desi, is Morgs on your radar? Yeah, I'm very high on Morgan this year. Um, he's probably the only cowboy that I'm even considering at this point in time. Um, looking back to the year that I won Supercoach, basically everyone started with him and he flopped. But, yeah, this season could be the season that he fires and burns everyone who doesn't have him. So, yeah, he's definitely high up on that list for a starting 17 spot for me. Probably 50-50 between him and Moylan at this stage. Yeah, he played five 80-minute games last year and averaged 56.6 points per game. He also had one injury game where he scored eight points in 14 minutes. In 2016 and 2017, I know it's a while ago now, the Cowboys had a red-hot side, so it's probably an unfair comparison, but he averaged 59 points per game. If he can get himself back to an average of 53 this season or to start the year, that'll be 100K he makes before being upgraded to a a genuine gun at 5'8 or halfback there. Spy, what do you reckon? He's a big maybe, boys. Um, It'll all depend on balance of side and cash and what I need, but there's certainly nothing wrong with starting with him. I'd probably... If I don't start with him, he'll be on the top of my watch list, just see how he comes back from injuries and how his fitness is and all the rest. But he's a gun, um, and at that price, as you said, he makes some money and he could be a stepping stone to someone else. Uh, but I probably won't start with him. He'll be high up on the watch list uh, during those Cowboys games. Yeah, I've got him in the maybe pile as well at the moment. I, th- I think he looks pretty enticing at the price in that backup half role, but Big watch throughout the preseason and likely to be one of those guys, again, you watch for round one and two, and if he goes good, you bring him in before that initial price rise. Next on the list at the Cowboys, Jason Taumolo, 641K, averaged 61 minutes per game last season, down on the seasons prior where he averaged 64 minutes per game. His PPM of 1.18 was enormous, as it always is. Uh, and then his minutes were down a little bit in the last three games of the season, played 31, 39, and 53 minutes coming back from injury. Bit of a surprise they brought him back at all from that, but they did, and so be it. 
Dazzy, Taumalolo, 641K, yes or no? I'm going to say no. I think it's going to be the first time ever that I'm, I'm starting without Jason Taumalolo in Supercoach. Um, but, yeah, I just think uh, he's the same price as guys like Crichton and Mato, and I think they're just going to be more consistent options. What about you, Spy? <laughs> to follow the trend of the night, completely agree with Desi. He's not in my side, and I simply can't fit him in with what I want to do at this stage. So he'll be good. He'll be super consistent. We know that, but I'm just chasing a bit of upside, um, and I've left him out of the initial squad. Mm. It's funny you talk about upside because I think when we, we think of Jason Taumalolo, you think, oh, geez, if you don't own him, you could get burnt really quick and fall behind. But last season, he only had one tonne. Uh, and that was including that was included in one of his two scores over ninety, you know. So maybe taking the bit of a risk and not starting with him won't hurt you that much. We know he can go very big, but perhaps not that big a risk uh, at this stage. It's funny how it works out. I don't have him in my side at the moment because I thought you know he'd be really popular, a bit of an antipod option. But the more I hear about it and hear you guys not being keen, I'm thinking, oh geez, if I can get Malolo in semi pod range to start the year. You know, and he goes ton ton whack. Everyone wants him in by round three. Spy, you know, it, it's potentially a, a bit of a pod move the way it's looking. Yeah, and his numbers are really good. Like he's he's consistent as they come, and there's, there's certainly nothing in nothing wrong with locking him in. Like he's mm. he's a star. Yeah, the last one on our Cowboys list, I think, is very notable, worth a mention. Is Reese Robinson at four ninety one k? And look, round one teams would be a big one here, but doing a bit of research in six games where he played 80 minutes last year, he averaged 79 points per game, uh, which is pretty obscene. That would make him, uh, I don't have the rest of the stats on the top of my head, but pretty close to the best hooker in Supercoach. 491K, Desi, on the hypothetical that he's an 80-minute hooker come round one, there's no Jake Granville or anyone like that on the bench, would you consider Robson at, at a bit of a cut price a um, bit of a cut price option at hooker to be a later upgrade to say Damien Cook or Harry Grant. Definitely, definitely an option. He's a hell of a player. Um, definitely one to watch if he does get that eighty minutes. But yeah, as as you said, the hooker position is just so stuck that I I just can't fit him in. I don't think most people will be able to fit him in, um, which may give him a sort of pod status. But yeah. As we know, Supercoach is about taking those sort of calculated risks to, from the get-go to get ahead of the pack. So definitely one to keep an eye on um, before price rises hit in in round three. Spy, round one, Toddy Payton comes out and says Robson will be the 80-minute hooker for the year. Would you consider him as a pod? Straight in. I would love to own him because Whoa. having a cheaper hooker suits what I want to do perfectly. Um, yeah. Hooker's one of my biggest dilemmas at the moment, just trying to find uh, obviously the cash for elsewhere with the guys I've spoken about. So someone like Robson playing 80, knowing how good he is, his work rate's awesome and he's a try scorer. So he's elite if given 80, but only 80 minutes. So I'm not going to be going near him if he's if he's got someone on the bench like a Granville or the like. Yeah, the man can play, and as you said, can sniff a try as well. So, if he does get an eighty-minute role, he's going to make that hooking uh, options for round for round one so so interesting. I hope he does shake it up a little bit, make things harder than they have to be. Um, Desi, anything else to add at the Cowboys? No, I think we covered them pretty well. Spite? No, we're good lads on that. Good stuff. Um, good coverage there, boys. We'll finish up with a few questions, and then we'll wrap it up for this week. 
We'll start with Aaron Parsons from over at Supercoach 360, one of the other good podcasts to have a listen to. Uh, we were going to do a whole topic on this, but I wanted to get their fixture analysis in that the Spy did because I think that's important uh, to get covered early in the season. But he said, he's asked, who can't be antipodded to start the season? So, I mean, they don't necessarily have to be absolute guns. They could be, you know, potentially cheapies or popular mid-rangers. Um, Desi, is there anyone who you think can't be antipodded to start the year? Ted Asko. That was an easy one, Spy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be honest, I wrote down that you can pretty much antipod anyone in this game. Um, I'd be careful of antipodding too many people. That's probably the big one. You sort of maybe one, maybe two, if you want to think about it carefully. Uh, but the two that I wouldn't want to leave out at this stage are Teddy, uh, for the reasons we spoke about already, and probably Charlie Staines from Penrith. They got a cracking opening two weeks. He's cheap. He's shown how good he is, how quick he is, and he's a try scorer. Uh, I think in a good side like Penrith, highly owned, if you didn't start with Staines and he scores another hat-trick, you'd just be beating yourself around the head early on in the season, which no one wants, so mm. they're my two boys. And you know who I added to the list, fellas, was... Um, I was going to not start with Munster. I was going to have a look at maybe a Cody Walker or Jerome Luai, um, but Munster's up near 40%, I think, in ownership. It's the classic case of you don't want to – that makes it so much riskier to antipod him because we know how good he can be, and if you go against the crowd on someone like Munster, it's very risky uh, to do. Not to say don't do it, but just be aware that if he does go ton-ton, which he could do, especially with Smith gone – yeah, it'd be a tough watch. So probably Teddy Staines and Munster would be the three, but there's a case to antipod anyone if, if you've got the right reasoning and, and sort of plan around that. Yeah, mate, I'm with you in the sense that I think you can antipod just about anyone, you know, barring maybe Harry Grant last year who started at about 190K and was playing close to 80 minutes for the Tigers. That's about as close to someone you can't antipod as possible. Um, but just to throw a few names in there, I think, if Connor Watson's starting lock at the Knights at his price, which I don't have off the top of my head, but I think he might even be under 300K, I think you'd be mad not to start with him. But then you could argue that, well, if he gets an injury, good antipod. Um, Nathan Cleary, I think, is possibly one that you need to have inside only because I don't think there's enough depth at half back to warrant going on and else, except for the fact that, again, if he does go low at that high price, you know, he does have it in him. Uh, and I think the biggest one for me, now that Payne Haas is missing, I think, the first three rounds, Matty Lodge, who we'll speak about more in future podcasts, but Matty Lodge at 300K um, coming off an injury-affected year last season, I think Lodge is going to be an absolute must-have. And I can't see him doing anything except scoring well this season, um, provided he comes back all right from that injury. Uh, I think Lodge will, will definitely be in my side to start the year. Um, anything to add, Spy? Uh, that's a really good insight on a few things there from the 2020 runner-up. I'll say it so you don't have to. Uh, no no <laughs> money in the jar this week. In the jar. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lodge is great, but I was just going to say, in my current draft side, I've got I've actually got Connor Watson starting hooker, which gives me a lot of room to pick who I want elsewhere. That could very easily change, and I'll have a plan B, C, and D ready to go. But if he was named to start at lock and pending on that bench, it could be a little gamble I'm willing to take because you'd think he'll score pretty well there, and he's not going to destroy me at that price. He'll just get a good good solid score in. Uh, so it's just something worth thinking. But Connor, if he gets that role, he's a very good footballer. Yep. Um, and just while you do mention draft, Spy, um, guys, we're not only a, a Supercoach uh, overall or, or Supercoach Classic, should I say, podcast, 
Uh, we, we do. We all play draft as well, and we're pretty into that as or big time into that. So if you have any draft questions, feel free to get them in as well. Uh, the spy is an absolute weapon at it, or at least he, he tells us he is. So drop them as well in our weekly questions. A uh, few more questions to get through. And Spy, I'll direct them straight at you. One from Baz216 who asks, we've spoken at Danny Tupu, but Christian Welch, is Christian Welch a good option? And Connor Fordry asks, is, can CHT, Chanel Harris-Tavita, replicate last year's scores where he averaged 65 points per game when playing 80 minutes at halfback? Spy, you did a bit of a player profile piece on these two a week or two ago. Uh, you like them both, hey? I really do. Um, I think Welch, depending on the sides, of course, but I think Welch looks a safer option. Um, his minutes should increase overall, which means his points uh, based on his price will be really good. So I've got Welch in my side as it stands, uh, and he offloaded a heap last year. It sort of looked like a game mm. plan from Bellyache just to keep that second phase ball happening. Classic Melbourne. They're just going, you know, let's not just do the same thing. Welch, can you just throw a few out the back? And let's run off the back of you. So that's huge for Supercoach. Um, there's no reason to think they would change that given the success they had last year. Um, and then Harris Tavita, he's a super interesting one. He, um, I've done a prior profile on him, as I said, but he sort of accumulates numbers in a really good way, like maybe a Dylan Brown type way where where he runs a lot, he's got repeat sets in him, but he also goal kicks. So he's a serious player of interest, that's for sure. And there's no reason to think he couldn't keep it up. Um, obviously, it's a pretty small sample of things with him at halfback, but if you want to take the gamble, then yeah, he could be a sneaky little pod there in the Warriors. Yeah. Offloading fullbacks in Supercoach, uh, sorry, offloading fullbacks, offloading front rows in Supercoach is just absolute gold. So if you can get a mid-ranger like Welch, who's expected to play bigger minutes this year uh, and will hopefully be offloading and getting that, that second phase play going, uh, very, very good option in my thoughts. A uh, lot of questions around the hookers rotation, and we might even do a bit of a special one episode. We'll drop it as the topic to start the episode possibly next week. But around, yeah, around the hookers and, and the best setup to go there because there is a couple of cheapy sort of mid-range options to start the year with. Uh, so just a bloke 86 says or asks, thoughts on running Lachlan Lamb and Jacob Little at hooker to bolster the CT dub and not have to worry about playing cheapy CT dub roulette, which ties into a question from Brody Copeland who asks, is it a good idea to go cheap in hookers? He had Little and Connor Watson there due to limited options and bolster elsewhere. Uh, Desi, obviously it's early days in terms of getting a side set up, but it, it, I mean, it looks like a pretty viable tactic. Uh, we saw last year, Harry Grant was a pretty pretty strong exception to this, but a pretty major example, should I say. But going cheaper at hookers and then upgrading to the premiums a bit later, what do you reckon? I think it is viable, but I'll personally be stuck in the hooker position. Um, I think you could run with Cookie, with Cookie and Coruscant, and that would be a lot better value. Um, I think you can make money elsewhere than hooker, to be honest. And Spy, I'll, I'll tie you into another hooking question from Anton Posa, one of the greats. Thoughts on stacking the hooker position? That, so that's what Desi's just said. And he says, nobody's talking about Appy Corris out at the moment, which he thinks is odd given the way he started last season. Uh, for the money, a Cook and Appy combo could deliver more value than, say, a stacked halfback or 5'8 position, which we tend to go with. It's obviously such safer scoring at hooker as well. Mate, at the moment, what's your hooking rotation looking like? And are you thinking cheaper? Are you thinking guns? Or are you thinking a mix? Mate, I'm completely open to ideas on the hooker rotation. I think there's nothing wrong with stacking it with a couple of guns. 
I think there's a genuine viable option to put someone like Connor Watson in with another Chibi, providing the teams fall the way we want it to. Um, but then I have a look at that, and while we were talking about that then, I just flicked Connor Watson to the backup 5-8 role and bought Appy Corris there when it hooker, which obviously seems it's a lot, lot less scary to do that because Penrith have a nice few weeks early, good opening run. Coruscant should be fresh, so yeah, there's nothing wrong with going someone like Appy or someone like Grant or Cook. I think it's a really interesting one this year to see what people do. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to need someone cheaper in your 17, whether they're playing hooker, front row, half back, or on your bench, playing in your side like a bench 17. You're going to get their score regardless. So it doesn't really matter where it is, um, but as long as the rest of your side is balanced nicely, so. It's something we should definitely look into leading into the season, what everyone's looking to do, because um, there's a lot of options, which is good to keep things exciting. Yeah, it is. That'll, and it could have a big uh, impact on the way that the Supercoach year starts, particularly that overall race. So, yeah, we'll look into more into the hooking rotation because uh, it's massive. And we'll finish it up with one from Dan S 91 Two questions. With Haas out, does Lodge become interesting for the first few rounds? I'll have him partnering TPJ at the moment. TPJ is an interesting one. Uh, Then he says, any love for Connor Watson? We've already said plenty of love for Connor Watson. I spoke about Matty Lodge. Desi, Matty Lodge, uh, are you going to have him for round one at this stage or not? Yep, certainly will. Without Haas, I think he's a must-have. Yeah, I agree. Just remind me how long Haas is out for again. What did he cop? Three or four weeks? I think it was three weeks. It's not very long. Um, but it shouldn't matter. Like Lodge is so capable of playing big minutes. Yeah, and I guess you lock in those really good scores for the first three weeks, and if you have to move him on with a bit of a price rise, you do it. Um, mm. I've had another tinker, and if I do bring in Lodge for someone, I can get Damian Cook at hooker as well. So, yeah, that's pretty tempting. <laughs> or yeah, Harry Grant. I'll refresh your memory very quickly. Go back to 2019. Matty Lodge averaged 57 minutes per game, 63 points per game, he came into last year, missed the first two rounds, so if he was injured or something or other, I don't remember. Um, but once he got his minutes back, he was playing 49, 53, 59 minutes. Then he got injured again and played one more game and got injured and didn't play the rest of the year. Um, so, you know, there's no reason why Matty Lodge can't come back, particularly with Huss out and play that 55 to 60-minute role. I think Matty Lodge is going to be a must-have, uh, provided he gets through the preseason fit and healthy. Uh, guys, that is, is all of our show today just a quick one i mention it each and every week but your feedback's really really appreciated um so if you jump onto our socials or whatever at sc playbook one on facebook instagram twitter give us a follow give us a message whatever anything that we can improve on any content ideas you're after podcast topics uh we'd love to hear it all uh, and just lastly i chatted about our forum on the sc playbook website last week uh really good feedback for that and we had a stack of people jumping in asking questions uh, ahead of round one in the preseason. I'm really, really keen to get that going. So do us a favour, jump onto the forum on the website. It's in the menu there. And let's start chatting. All the SC Playbook contributors will be jumping in and giving their thoughts on things. Uh, it's good fun and a good way to get our sides locked in for round one. Desi, thank you, mate. Always, always a pleasure. <laughs> Bit of a strange one, agreeing with Spy on 99% of the topics today. That won't last long, mate. Spire, it was a bit of a weird one. We expect to be back to normality next week with you two blowing up at each other. Spire, big return, mate. 
Yeah, thanks, boys. Um, Desi, mate, next week, let's get back into it. I might even just deliberately disagree with something that's not too important, just so we can have a bit of fun there. And, boys, before I go, I've just checked out Lodge, and I, you're right, I didn't realise how injury-affected injury he was last year. So he is an absolute lock. Bank him in for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah good One stuff. One like you can't antipod for me, Matty Lodge. Yeah, All right, that's it, guys. Cheers for tuning in tonight.